Welcome to another life-impacting message from City Light Church. You can find more great content like this online at citylight.church. For those of you who, who don't know me, haven't met me, my name is John. Uh, I'm one of the elders uh, here at City Light Church, and I'm a pastor of City Light North Adelaide. It's absolutely my pleasure uh, to welcome you again here with us this evening. Um, I just also want to add a couple of things with those notices, and that is that uh, we are looking for any uh, people with like a, uh, just the ability to smile, uh, the ability to be friendly and to be welcoming. Uh, as we kind of build our welcome team, build our kind of coffee ministry and team as well, we're just looking for people uh, who want to get around that. So uh, feel free to chat to me about that or, or anyone else. Um, but uh, over the next four weeks, following the launch we had last week, we're going to be spending four weeks looking at um, what it is that we're trying to do here in a way. And City Light Church, we have uh, we got four statements or uh, four... Uh, ideals or four things that we want to pursue that help guide us as a church, uh, help us to kind of clarify and keep our eyes on the mission that we're doing here. And, and they are these four things, that we want to missionally engage culture with the gospel of Jesus, we want to make disciple-making disciples, we want to train leaders, and we want to multiply communities. And so we're going to be spending the next four weeks looking at these things. Um, and this week, the first of those, we want to missionally engage culture with the gospel of Jesus. We do this as a whole church. Uh, we have that by uh, endeavoring to have engaging content, by, by preaching the gospel and being clear on the gospel, by uh, attempting to choose relevant styles of worship. Uh, and I think you know, there's uh, Timmy did a great job today. We do this also by getting out into the community, uh, partnering with organizations like Green Team and, and Red Frogs and doing various other things. Uh, we don't want to be a church that's just contained in these four walls and weird, archy thing. We want to be a church that is not just about gathering in this place, but a church that is about getting out into the community, taking uh, the gospel with us of Jesus and engaging with the culture that we're in. We want to live lives that are among and for the city that God has sent us to and for the city, for the people of North Adelaide and surrounding areas. So today I also want to look at how we do this individually and in community together uh, and also give us some tools or some ideas, some thoughts on how to do this well, how to do this better. Is that cool? All right, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that uh, you love us, that you call us to be a part of your church, a part of your people. We thank you that you have not left us, Lord, but you are with us. And we pray that as we consider these things, how to be effective disciples, how to effectively follow you in the world, Lord, that you would um, come and speak to us now through these thoughts and ideas, Lord, uh, that they would not just simply be uh, one man's thoughts, Lord, but you would come and speak to us the things that are not of you, Lord. We pray that uh, they would fall away and the things that you really want to have stick in our hearts and minds, Lord, that you would bring to the fore. I'm in. So if we want to missionally engage the culture with the gospel of Jesus, I think the first thing that we really need to do is to be clear on the gospel. If we want to engage the culture with it, we have to know what it is. And I've spent a fair bit of time the last couple of weeks, for those who have been here, we've been looking at the gospel, 
but I'm sure that you won't mind if we start by just looking at it in brief again. In fact, I never want to get sick of talking about the gospel. If I, get, I, th- I said this last week, I'll say it again, if I move on from the gospel, if I get sick of talking about the gospel, someone come up and slap me in the face. We never, ever want to get sick of the gospel. It's what we're about. The gospel, simply put, is the good news that Jesus came to save us. Now, we can unpack that and flesh that out a lot more, and you can say, well, what does that mean? But Jesus takes our guilt, our shame, our fear of judgment, our fear of death. He shows us the beauty of truth. He shoulders our burden. He sets us free from our idols and gives us a new and deeper joy and thirst for him, fueled by the deep love that he has for us. The Son of God comes to earth as a human, born to a human mother, as a baby, grows up and lives a perfect life, dies for us in our place, the death that we deserve to die, and in his place gives us his righteousness. He proclaims freedom for the captives, new life for the dead, rest for the weary, and sight for the blind. This is the gospel. That God loved us and gave himself for us so we could have a new life, so we could live in him, so we could be reconciled to God. That's the gospel. Is Jesus real to you? Do you actually know him? That is the gospel. And if you don't know Jesus, if Jesus hasn't rescued you, if he hasn't found you, I want to invite you to believe in him. If you are here today, it is no accident. Jesus has been at work in your life calling you to himself. He loves you, he cares for you, and he wants to take your heavy load, free you from your slavery to idols, and invite you into his new family. And you can pray to him simply as you talk to a friend. For those of you who have already been rescued by Jesus, Jesus actually wants to invite you into his work. If we want to missionally engage culture with the gospel of Jesus, we need to take ownership. And we need to realize that it's our role, not just someone else's. Jesus gave his followers the Great Commission, and many of you may have heard it before. Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. It says, And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus commanded us to be missional, to have a mission. He sent us to do something. Go, make disciples, teach them everything. And so it's not something that we can take lightly if we belong to him, if we are his followers, and and just say, oh, it doesn't really suit me right now. It's a command. Jesus said, go. Romans 10, 13 to 15 says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the gospel. Everyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. 
How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching to them or telling them? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. It's true that the most unloving thing that we could possibly do is to not share the gospel. And what an incredible life-changing gift the gospel actually is. How can we keep it to ourselves if we truly believe it? It's just selfish. You don't light a lamp and then hide it under a basket, as the scripture would say. Can you imagine the statewide blackout we had a couple of, a couple of weeks ago? Time passes too quickly. Like three or four weeks ago, someone fill me in. A few weeks ago, imagine that. If you had actually turned on your torch in your lounge room or your lantern, I promise probably didn't do this with a candle, I hope, and then stuffed your torch under the cushion and sat on it, how ridiculous. You don't do that. In the same way, if God has lit up your life, has come into your heart, has filled you with Christ, has saved you in the gospel, why would you hide that? Why would you not want others to see that and know that if you truly believe it? It's not the pastor's job to share the gospel. It's not, my own. it's not just my job. It's not just your DG leader, your community group leader's job to share the gospel. It's your role and it's your privilege. We get to partner with God. We don't have to, we get to. In his work of bringing all things to himself, of reconciling the world to himself, of making himself known in the world. We don't have to, we get to. It's a privilege. But what if they laugh at me, some might ask, or worry. Luke 9, 23 says this, and he said to all, this is Jesus, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life would lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. But what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father of the holy angels. We should take that pretty seriously, I reckon. If we really, really believe that Jesus is God, that he died for the sins of humanity, that he rose again, defeating death, that in him alone life can be found, that he alone is the way, the truth, and the life, the only way to the Father. We want people to know that. I think a lot of people can assent to this, can can get that, yeah, you know what, like in my head, I'm like, yeah, that's true. If that's true, we would want people to know that. We want people to know the gospel. We want our world to hear the gospel, the good news about Jesus. But we get stuck. If we want to engage the culture with the gospel, we need to be engaging the culture 
And I think sometimes we trip on We don't know how to do that. How should we engage with the culture? Well, what is culture? Culture is it's fashion, it's food, it's art, it's movies, it's styles, it's subcultures, it's smashed avo on toast. But it's also more than that. It's actually also the underlying beliefs that you don't see that drive people, like cultural values that we all have, like do unto others. Or it's okay to do what you want as long as it's not harming anyone. Is that a value of our culture? Yeah? Or mateship or a fair go. These are all part of our culture. And so how do we engage that culture that has these values, that has these ways of being, that has different foods and styles and and beliefs and systems of thought? How do we engage the culture with the gospel? Well, I think we find it hard because not everything in culture is okay. And also, not everything in culture is evil. Some things are just... They're not bad, not good, and, and we kind of get confused because we're like, well, some parts of culture are clearly messed up, and what do we do with that? And other parts are great, and can I just go with that? And can I just enjoy that? The question is not whether we will engage with culture. It's whether we will engage with culture wisely. Because you, you cannot not engage with culture. You cannot escape culture. You live, you breathe it. You're like a fish in water. If you don't think you're in culture, you just don't realize what culture kind of is. The clothes that you're wearing right now, they're cultural to our culture. The radio station that you possibly press play or Spotify list you'd kind of put on your car phone if you don't have Bluetooth, you probably just sat up there. The music that played is part of our culture. Or if you're into world culture, it's part of another culture, but that's part of our culture to be into world culture, so there you go. You cannot escape it. You will engage with culture, but the question is, will you do it wisely? What we need to do ourselves, we need to train ourselves to be wise consumers and creators of culture. Ask ourselves, what message is the culture trying to get us to believe with the things it's selling us and saying to us and and giving us? Is it helpful? Is it true? Or is it not helpful and not true? Is this aspect of culture, is it a thing that's being presented to me, is it permissible? Is it allowed or is it sinful? And, And there are often two ways, two extremes that Christians traditionally deal with culture and and it's both pretty poorly. The extreme is either we adopt it completely, taking every single aspect of culture and using it as an excuse, excuse to kind of just sin or to completely remove ourselves from the culture and not engage it at all. And neither of these things are biblical or helpful especially if we actually want to share the gospel. If we fully embrace all that culture has to offer, no reservations, no holding back, we actually end up with nothing to say. We're just like everyone else, excepting with a little side of Jesus tacked on when it suits us. 
But it's not the real Jesus. It's a tame Jesus that you keep on a leash and he's of your own creation. And you bring him out when it suits you. He has nothing hard to say. On the other hand, if we remove ourselves from culture, we cannot speak into culture. We have nothing to say, no way to communicate, no shared language to communicate in. So we need to engage with culture, but we need to be smart about it. I think we're scared because uh, the culture, whether we realize it or not, is full of idols. People either worship idols or they worship God. And you might think to myself, well, you know what? The last time I walked down to the, to the local shrine and placed some bread there was never. So I don't worship an idol. What are you talking about? Now, in our culture, idols are not actually so obvious. But an idol is basically anything that we place over and above God in importance in our life. So our culture is full of idols, full of things that people think are first are the most important thing. And you need to learn to recognize them. If work is your idol, you will sacrifice your family for more work, for more prestige, more power. If, your, if image is your idol, you know, crafting the, the perfect like Instagram picture, the perfect Facebook profile, the perfect uh, Twitter account, the perfect Snapchat, the perfect whatever it is that your kids use that I don't know about yet, right? I... I'm not even 30 and I'm old. Man, culture moves too fast. Um, If image is your idol and like kind of crafting the perfect public image is your idol, you will sacrifice intimacy in your pursuit of your idol. If money is your idol, you will sacrifice relationships and generosity to hoard it all for yourself. And and culture, we need to be aware, intersects with idols because we can take anything that is good, anything that's neutral, and we can make that thing, we can raise that thing into an idol if we make it supreme. We take the things that God has made and we raise them to the status of idols when we put them over and above God. Perhaps you don't recognize you're doing this in your own life, but some of the things that I think are prevalent for even people in the church is we have the idol of achieving hipsterdom. to travel to the most places and experience the most things, and that's usually in pursuit of crafting that image. We have this kind of cultural myth about travel, that it somehow changes you. Has anyone ever heard that? It doesn't change you, really. Like, travel if you want. There's nothing wrong with it. God made travel. God made all the places in the world. You can go see them all, and, you know, that would be wonderful. Nothing wrong with it, but it won't change you. You'll just have some memories and some pictures to bore us with and and you'll still just be you. You'll still just be you, but the you who's been to Morocco. It won't change you. It's a cultural myth. You can experience some good things that might add to your life and add to your character and give you good stories and in reality, I actually do love looking at pictures, but we have these things that people can place as their highest goal. Perhaps for you it's the beautiful spouse, the two and a half kids, a dog, and a cute house. 
And that's my idol. And if I could just get that, I'd be complete and happy. Perhaps it's to have the most insta-worthy life. Sometimes culture is great. Sometimes culture is dumb. And so I want to put forward three ways that we can deal with these things that the world presents to us. And I think all three are needed for different circumstances. I'm not saying there's, here's the good one, here's the bad one, here's the other one. Like, good, bad, meh. Hmm? Good, bad, ugly, yeah. The good, bad, no, I, he, these are all three are needed for different circumstances. We can recognize and reject, we can infirm and enjoy, or we can consider and redeem. There's some aspects of culture that as a Christian we have to recognize them for what they are and completely reject them. Some things cannot be accepted at all. We have to recognize that they're a distortion of God's good world and just reject them outright. For example, uh, pornography. I don't think there's any redemptive purpose in pornography. I think as Christians we have to reject it. But there's some things that are more hidden within normal culture, but we need to to learn to view the world through the gospel in order to identify and recognize these things. Like, for example, uh, getting, like, wastedly drunk, getting drunk. You could say, some people say, oh, but I'm evangelizing. No, you're not. You're enjoying it for what it is. And so you need to recognize that and say, you know what, as Christians, that's something we need to reject. There is nothing about child sacrifice that we can accept, for example. There's nothing about affairs that we can accept. These are all things that are part of our culture that we have to say, no. They're not part of who we are. There's other things that are in culture that we can affirm and enjoy, just wholesale for what they are. These are probably some of the more surface-level cultural things that we, like, say culture in, in you know, Spanish class in year two, and there's a picture of, you know, a flamenco dress and um, some great food, and you say, well, yeah, we can just accept those things and enjoy them. That surface-level culture, amazing food, God's common grace, the language that we speak. If we decided that we couldn't accept the language that we speak, we'd all just be kind of grunting at each other. But no, that's a good gift of God, and we can just enjoy it. And there's some other things in culture that we have to work to redeem. The thing in itself is neutral, but you can use it in a good or a bad way. For example, some people run scared of social media and think, no, that's just scary, I can't go there. Um, But things like social media, they're not good, they're not bad, but we choose to use it for good. And so we can redeem it. It's something in culture that, you know what, our culture has social media, let's use it for good. There's things like alcohol, which is not actually evil in and of itself. But we redeem it by using it wisely and not buying into our Australian cultural narrative that you need to get drunk to have a good time. We can use it wisely. There's things like Aussie slang. Now, there's nothing wrong in and of itself of having a slang in your language, but 
maybe filthy, filthy potty mouth is not redeemable. But like cheekiness in Aussie language, maybe that is redeemable. Maybe we could use that language for encouraging. Maybe the Australian culture of putting people down, perhaps we should leave that behind. But we could encourage people with our language. Here's an interesting one coming up, very topical. Uh, today is the 30th of October, which means tomorrow the 31st is Halloween. People, Christians go nuts about Halloween. You don't have to raise your hand, but who is planning on celebrating Halloween in some way? No one. No? Or maybe you're just scared of what, what I'm going to say about it. Who's definitely not? Who definitely knows? What should we do? Do we recognize and reject it? Say, you know what, that's just a distortion of God's world. Now we can't be anything a part of that. Do we affirm and enjoy it? Say, you know what, everything, just bring it at me and have it all. Um, you know, these Americans and Scottish people bringing their festivals here, let's just enjoy it. Or do we work to redeem it and take part in parts of it? What do you think? It is now. <laughs> Wasn't. Take it back. It's Christian. Refo- Happy Reformation Day. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. You work to redeem? Yeah. Okay. I don't think I'm going to give a definitive answer on that, but, I mean, what a great, in some ways, yes, there's some parts of that that should be completely rejected, but, I mean, if it's the one time a year that your neighbours are going to knock on your door and you've got a chance to talk to them, maybe you could do that too. I don't know. I think we as Christians need to enjoy culture, but we need to realise what it is and not get sucked into it. In our quest to live within culture, we have to be careful not to get sucked into cultural narratives that are not the gospel. Cultural narratives that point us away from Christ. I'm going to let you settle that Halloween one in your DGs this week. It'll be interesting to see what you come back with. You can enjoy craft beer and coffee and riding a fixie bicycle, but being the coolest isn't the point of your life. Jesus is the point of your life. If your goal in life is to be on point, you'll definitely be off message. Jesus cares more about the substance of your heart than the style of your wardrobe. There's nothing wrong with enjoying these things, but they cannot become your highest goal. So we need to say, are we being sucked in to these ideas and putting them above the gospel, above Christ. If someone were to look at your life, not the way that I see it, but the whole of it, not the way your friend sees it, but if they were to look at the whole of your life, maybe the way God sees it, if they could have that view, what message would they hear? What story would your life be telling? What would they think that you value? 
what would they think that you love? If they were to look at your life, what would they conclude about God as one of his followers? We need to do more than just live amongst the people that we're sent to. We need to actually share the gospel with words. But your lifestyle is also a message. The way you live, what you value, how you speak, it's a message that we send to the world as well. And what this doesn't mean, please don't hear this as you need to pretend that you have it all together. Because our lifestyle is a message to the world around us, but the message hopefully isn't that Christians are perfect and have it all together. But as an open book, how are you living a lifestyle of repentance, a lifestyle of turning back to Jesus? Humbly, not thinking that you're better, but because you know that Jesus is better and he's changing you. Jesus actually prayed for his followers uh, in John 17 that they would live life in the world but live differently in the world. And it's called the high priestly prayer. I'm going to read the high priestly prayer. And this is Jesus speaking intimately to his disciples and his followers. And this is his prayer for them, and I think also his prayer for us as his followers. So, I mean, if you ever wanted Jesus to speak to you, this is what Jesus prayed for you. So let's see what he had to say. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. He was about to uh, be handed over to be uh, his false trial and be crucified. This is just before his crucifixion. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you have gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you have given me, and they have received them, and they have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have also believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you had given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. I think by this stage, Judas had left the room. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. 
As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. A few interesting things that we can pull out of this uh, that Jesus had to say. His prayer for his followers is that they would not be taken out of the world. If your natural heart and inclination as a Christian is to pull back from the world and just be scared of the world, Jesus didn't pray that for you. He didn't ask that for you. His prayer for you is that you would be kept in the world, but that you wouldn't be just like everyone else. Jesus said they are not of the world. If you are part of Christ, if he has saved you, you are different. He has pulled you out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his beloved son. You are now part of God's family. You are different. And his prayer to keep them this way was to sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. If you're a follower of Jesus, are you living in the word? I think that relying on God and his Holy Spirit and his power and presence, the number one thing we can do in that, to be sanctified in the truth, to be kept Pure is to be living in the word, to be sanctified by the word. So I would encourage you, are you living in the word? Are you continuously meditating on scripture and reading scripture and having it fill your hearts and minds? And then Jesus said, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Are you living as someone who has been sent to the world? Are you living as someone with a mission? Jesus said, go. Jesus said, I'm sending you into the world. He said, make disciples, teach them all. The point of engaging with the culture, engaging the culture with the gospel of Jesus is to glorify God and to make much of Jesus. You can hear Jesus' anguish in this prayer. I have done this for them. And the them he's praying for, there are more thems wanting to hear and to have the Holy Spirit fill their lives. Imagine if, if God was like, God the Father was to Jesus, hey son, can you go to earth for like 30-ish years and live a perfect life and then die a painful death and take the sins of the world so that all people can be close to me again? And Jesus was like, Nah, Dad, my favorite show is on Netflix, and I've just had a pretty big week, and I'm tired. We are called to live lives like Jesus, sacrificial lives. We are not, and we, we are not, and will not ever be Jesus himself, but we are called to live like Jesus. We're called to become more and more like him through him and to give glory to him. Jesus sacrificed himself for us so that we could know God again and glorify God through him. We are called to go out into the world and to do it wisely. So, I want to encourage us to live lives that engage culture with the gospel of Jesus. Be missional. Get out in the world. How can you do that practically? 
Well, I've got a few ideas, and uh, we'll post these out to DGs during this week as well. But all of them, reading my list, basically are this. Get to know people who aren't Christian and involve them in your life. Be in their world, just as you've been called into God's kingdom and out of that world, be in it. Get to know people who aren't Christian. Know the gospel. Don't get sucked into the lies and the cultural narratives that are not the gospel, but live in the world. Let's pray. Jesus, just as you were called to live a life on mission, you came with a mission and a purpose to save the world, to make a way for us to be back in relationship with God. You also call us to live with a mission, to make much of you, to share your gospel with the world. Jesus, you pray, I pray that you help us to be wise, that you help us to live in such a way that we could glorify you, enjoying all of your good things in culture that it has to offer, rejecting the things that are not of you and making the most of all that culture has to offer so that we could reach more people with your name for your glory. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from City Light Church. We hope you found it helpful and we'd love for you to share this message with others. For more great content, more information about City Light Church or to donate to the work of City Light Church, visit us online at www.citylight.church.